You're listening to Co-op Mood, a casually serious conversation about playing video games. This is episode one, Social Distancing Together. Okay, let's do this. I'm Sally. You can find me on Twitter at Sally T. And I'm Shane. You can find me on Twitter at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. Okay, so Shane, there are some things going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, well, one thing, as far as I can tell. Just one. There is a single thing going on in the world right now. Yeah, there's uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. It is the global health crisis that we are all experiencing uh, in a variety of ways. And so what else can we talk about right now but video games and playing video games in the context of this whole situation? Right. So we have a few things to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about just how we're playing video games now and what it's like to uh, play co-op games now versus what it was like in pre-pandemic times. Um, but the first thing we're going to talk about is just kind of what's going on in the world of video games as far as we see it. I think there's probably a lot more going on, but this is like what we're paying attention to. Yeah, as as video game players and not video game creators... <laughs> Uh, we only really see what comes down the pike from publishers and which games are getting announced and which platforms are running sales and which of us can't find a switch to play Animal Crossing. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I personally, I, I pay like very narrow attention. I, I kind of tend to pay attention to only the things that I'm really interested in. So um, for example, there are some big game delays. Um, and as I was like doing a little research to prepare for this, um, there's actually quite a few games that are being delayed because of the pandemic. Um, but the the ones I wanted to mention, because again, uh, who cares about stuff if I'm not interested in it, are uh, three games, Last of Us 2, which is delayed indefinitely. Mm -hmm. Cyberpunk 2077, which is allegedly coming out uh, in mid-September 2020. And then that, Watch Dogs... Oh, sorry. That does not feel like it's possible, right? It, it, it doesn't feel possible. I feel like Last of Us 2 is doing the honorable thing by just like throwing the word indefinitely in there. Right. You know? Um, and then Watch, Watch Dogs Legion uh, was originally due to be released in early March. And now it's been... This is what I found. I think I found this on Wikipedia. It's been delayed to an unspecified date sometime before April 2021. Oh, cool. It's it's always good to say it's uh, less than a year. Exactly. Hopefully. It's like, Ideally. when will this game be released? Shrug. <laughs> right. Video game delays are not rare at all. Like, they're in fact quite common. However, um, these are extensive delays that we're seeing. And, you know... I actually, like, I think that in any other time, if I saw the phrase delayed indefinitely or uh, unspecified date sometime before April 2021, I would be like, oh, that's cause for concern. I hope that company is okay. Or I hope, like, the creator hasn't, uh, like, the, the there hasn't been, like, creative team differences that are, like, throwing a wrench in things. But, but delayed indefinitely just feels, like, completely par for the course right now. That's, like, the term of our time. But yeah, I agree. It sounds like canceled, except we know it's not actually canceled, right. <laughs> which is strange. But it is like the sort of like healthy attitude I feel like to have right now, at least for me, which is just like, consider everything canceled. And if some things end up not being canceled, then we'll be pretty psyched about it. Yeah, it's this is like the quiet year, you know, it's like, we're just <laughs> we're not going to get all the joy that we thought we would this year. But at some point in the future, we probably will. 
Joy will return, asterisk, probably. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What else? Are there any other games that you're paying attention to or uh, in terms of delays or are any of those in particular like a bummer for you? Well, so there's a different kind of game delay that's going on that's affecting me a lot more, which is the delay of actual sports um, and how they are now kind of moving into this cool world of esports played by the athletes. No way. Yeah. So they did this in La Liga, which is the the major Spanish soccer league, the top flight Spanish soccer league, Okay. uh, where instead of finishing the season, they played a tournament uh, where they had one player from each locker room represent the team and like play with their team in FIFA. And like they declared a FIFA champion uh, of La Liga, which apparently like the players in the locker room took this very seriously. And there was like a lot of argument and debate over who got to represent each team. And it was like some of them were like the stars and others were like, you know, like kind of reserve players that were like, I'm really fucking good at this game, though. (laughs) That is so cool. That's like a feel good for the time story. NASCAR is running completely on simulation right now, which I don't follow NASCAR. My father does, which is uh-huh. like I read this on Kotaku and then like validated it with him. And he's like, yeah, it's insane. These guys are, are playing a simulator online against each other with like a full broadcast, like on television. And I am so I'm so here for this. And then in the most NASCAR way possible, of course, one player has already been banned for using the N word <laughs> on a stream. <laughs> Amazing. NASCAR don't change, you know? (laughs) It's so funny. I saw that that headline like came across my like feed somewhere. And and I for a split second, I was like, I didn't realize it was an online thing. And I was like, is NASCAR still happening right now? And then I thought maybe it was because if you're alone in a car, maybe that's okay or something. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, I feel like creative solutions to social distancing are like great to hear about. And this thing of like esports instead of actual IRL sports I'm totally into it yeah I I like it for now you know like it's it's not going to affect me until college football gets delayed Mm. um because that's the sport that I actually genuinely care about now that Arsenal pulled their normal Arsenal and I have nothing to cheer for in England and soccer anymore so you know are there are there video games where you can play college football teams or only professional? Uh, thanks to the O'Bannon lawsuit, circa 2012, they don't make college football games anymore because they won't pay the players for their likenesses. Gotcha. Yeah. So the last, Monsters. I think the last published game was either 2011 or 2012. Damn. Okay. Um, and I kind of totally forgot about actual sports, but uh, another thing that is happening, which is that nin- the Nintendo Switch is extremely scarce right now. It's really hard to get except for at marked up prices, um, like on eBay and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Like resold on eBay. Resold on eBay, exactly. Um, And we were talking about this a little bit. Like there are, it. well, I I haven't checked in about like a week and a half, but at that point there were some that were like maybe 400 bucks or 450 or something, but they're definitely going up, up, up in price. Um, And I saw one, that was like like the Animal Crossing bundle, which I think is a Switch that is like Animal Crossing themed and co- mm-hmm. like the cr- the colorway. Right. Uh, sold for seven fifty. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. that's normal. Yeah, that's this fine. Isn't a that's crisis. fine. People aren't losing their jobs. It's unreal. So Nintendo said that the shortage is going to end pretty soon, like in May or June. But apparently, it's just like it sounds like kind of um, basically like supply chain disruption because of the pandemic, but. 
The other thing is I was reading an article um, in Vice about these resellers that use these checkout bots. Have mm-hmm. you heard of this before? No, I read the article about the guy who traveled across the country, like stopping in rural Walmarts <laughs> to buy switches. That's like when the bot is a human being, but right. now his job has been replaced. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, man, talk about like putting in the time, um, literally driving to Walmarts everywhere, collecting them and then reselling them. Um, but apparently there is this thing that um, people do in a lot of a lot of um, like markets that have like a strong like aftermarket sales thing, which mm-hmm. is um, there are these automated bots that can identify when a product is back in stock. Sure. And as soon as it's back in stock, it instantly adds it to your cart and completes the checkout process as quickly as possible. So if you're a human being, you don't have a chance to get it. And so right. apparently that's that happens with like, um, the, according to this article, it happens with sneakers. It happens with um, ticket brokers. I feel like <laughs> people are going to start doing it for dice pretty soon. But that's a whole other podcast. Right. And so apparently that is also people are snagging switches super quickly. And that is also driving up the price significantly. I feel like I've heard this switch scarcity story literally every three months for the past <laughs> since the switch existed, right? Like, because it seems like there's a game that comes out every like three to six months and then you can't find a switch anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then nobody cares about switch again for three to six months. And then all of a sudden you can't find a switch anywhere because like the next Pokemon got released or whatever. Right. And it's like, why does Nintendo, why is Nintendo so bad at this? Like they always have scarcity when they have their biggest demand. Like, could they plan ahead ever? And not that they didn't plan for the pandemic, right? I get it. But still, Animal Crossing was always going to be huge. Like, it's not like the pandemic is the only reason people care about Animal Crossing right now. But do you think that um, when, do you think that they do like a manufactured scarcity thing to like drive up interest, which is a thing that, again, let me, <laughs> sorry to talk about dice, but like in the world of polyhedral dice collecting a thing that some companies do is they release like 200 sets knowing that like at least 2000 people will want them and then they later again later down the line they like they're like this line is back we're resurrecting it and it's like probably they've always had the stock you know the inventory do you think it's like that kind of a thing uh i i don't see how they could pull that off consistently because like the shelf life of these games like the hype for these games is not long enough yeah, that's fair. Right? Like w- like what happens with dice is like people want them for a long tail, right? Because they become more exclusive over time and like yeah. that isn't how a video game experience works. Like what <laughs> happens point. is you miss the zeitgeist and it's like, "Oh, I'm finally playing Animal Crossing, y'all." Like, "Oh, the uh that Tom Nook, huh?" And everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah we're past that. Like move on." Totally. You know. Yeah, that that's how I feel every day. I like tend to get into TV shows way after people are watching them. So I'm on Twitter tweeting about like the last season of Mad Men and everyone's like already done with it. Um, it's just not a thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, I guess... Imagine watching I... Game of Thrones right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone just pities you because you don't know what's coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They pity you and it's also just like so embarrassing that you're trying to do a thing. It's like, it's cool if you're talking about Game of Thrones in like five years because you're just, you're so cool that you're finally getting around to watching it, but it's not cool if it's like now. Right. Um, But... Okay, so Nintendo is just like not good at keeping product on the shelves. Is that, that what we're kind that, of? That's my opinion. Yeah, that's and fair. based on a cursory glance of their financial statements, uh, I think they could do with a little more inventory. They're way below industry average on their inventory. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, damn Nintendo, get it together.
Okay, so Shane, do you want to talk about sales, like just bananas discounts on games? Yeah, it's not all bad. Um, like I get, I'm getting emails like every day about new games that I'm actually interested suddenly hitting sales on GOG or Steam or like, uh, well, I guess PlayStation never puts anything on sale, but you know, like <laughs> on, on the various distribution platforms, which sucks, by the way, for like GameStop, right? Right. Like GameStop yeah. is screwed because they have a, re a huge retail footprint and nobody is buying in retail but like you know I, I it's great if you want to go back to like any game that was released maybe two years ago or older like you're getting a good discount on it um, mm -hmm. at a time when everyone has lots of time to like go back to classics and there is like discussion that's like regenerated around these topics Mm -hmm, totally. Yeah, it is actually a really good, we can talk about this in a bit, but it, it's a good time to replay a game that you know that you love or that you know gives you like a specific feeling because just I think I feel like now is just a really good time for like familiar things um, and comfort. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so then there are also some games that are like just huge pandemic games. I'm not playing any of them. Me Are you either. Playing? Okay, that's what I thought. So Animal Crossing and Doom Eternal, which I think might have been released on the same day. Is that possible? I think that's right. We're informed. And then Final Fantasy VII Remake. And you, you've not played that either? I haven't played the remake. I played the original Final Fantasy VII partially. Okay. That's that's where I learned I wasn't going to ever play JRPGs. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any intention of playing these pandemic games as i'm now gonna call them TM, TM, TM. Uh, i mean i i cannot afford animal crossing so no yeah. um i mean i could i could probably play doom eternal at some point but i, I don't really want to run out and pay top dollar for a triple a game right now when like the stuff that i'm playing is like making me happy totally <laughs> like, yeah you know? like so it's it's tough um and i don't think i would enjoy playing ff7 alone like i, I just don't yeah. want to play a long like 60 plus hour game by myself at this totally. point. Totally. You know? Yeah, now it doesn't seem like the time to start a really long involved RPG. Although having said that, I've kind of done that in two different instances. So yeah. whatever. <laughs> we'll see if they stick. Didn't you start Planescape Torment this week? <laughs> yeah, I started Planescape Torment and also uh Fire Emblem Three Houses. Okay. <laughs> uh so that's fine. Okay, so that actually brings us to the main thing that we want to talk about, which is what we're playing right now. Uh and then how are are we playing games differently because of what's going on with the pandemic? Um, how are we playing cooperative games and so on? Um, so I mentioned that I'm playing, I started uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses and also Planescape Torment. Um, and I've also, and, and like, you know, I don't know that I'm going to, I, I feel very into both of those games. Um, they both have my attention for like different reasons, but they are both, big games that require pretty intense um not just like a time commitment but you can't like not pay attention yeah they're focus driven games right so super you have to be super focused um and if you're not going to be it's almost like what's the point of even playing you know right. yep. so so um you know we'll see um but for now I'm, I'm really enjoying them i i also i finished i played disco elysium twice two times in a row I started a third playthrough but then I got distracted um and that was a really really good pandemic rabbit hole video game 
because I find I first of all it's to me it's like reading but better right now because I can't concentrate on a book but Mm -hmm. Disco Elysium has a ton of story and it's all reading it's like reading and click it's not even like a point and click it's like a read and click yeah 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 even combat Um, is resolved through like a dialogue menu Exactly, exactly. So it's just basically like skill checks on skill checks on skill checks. And the story and the lore are like incredible. It's immersive. I It's weird. And I just absolutely love it. So that I, like I'm finding that um, so far games that are immersing the shit out of me in story and character are really, really holding my attention, which is not always true. Like there there are times when I start up a game and there's just so much going on lore wise that I kind of get lost um, and then my interest falls off. Yeah, I, uh, I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, tell me. So tell me like how you're playing games now. So uh, I have I, I have Disco Elysium. That is mm-hmm. about the only single player game that I'm playing. Um, and even that has been a bit on hold because I have uh, convinced my wife to try Stardew Valley, mm-hmm. which she is playing on PlayStation. And just to kind of like, we're not, we're not playing like the co-op mode of Stardew Valley because I think that is too slow and I would mm-hmm. be very frustrated or she mm-hmm. would be very bored waiting for the day to end. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, like we are playing side by side in parallel, if you will. Oh, <laughs> like, I love that. Yeah. So, you know, like, I, and I had to kind of, she was asking a lot of questions and I had to kind of like jump back into it to figure out like answers. So oh, I yeah. was like, oh, I'll just like, I can never remember, you know, I have a 70 hour save file, which is not even a lot of time in, in, uh, Stardew, but like, I, I was like, I don't even know what I was trying to do here. I'll just start over. So I did. And like, now we're kind of playing that together, um, or side by side. Right. Like, so I'll sit at my computer, she'll sit on the PlayStation and, and we could waste away some hours of the day. <laughs> that's so awesome yeah it I feel like now is the time to remember all the different possibilities co-op gaming holds you know there's like online co-op there's you know couch co-op games there's and then there's just like doing what you're doing which is just which I feel like the internet is doing right now with Animal Crossing is like sitting together playing Animal Crossing right exactly it's it's just uh like rather than playing together, we're playing next to each other, you know, and like the the proximity is what's making it enjoyable more so than like necessarily working on the same project, you know. Totally, hundred percent. Are you finding? Um, so, are you kind of finding that you're not that single player games or like non co op experiences aren't really holding your attention? Yeah, I'm. I'm finding that games that demand my full attention, I'm only enjoying if they are co op. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've played crawl. So my, my gaming group, my, like my Monday night D and D group, um, like we had to move online. So that was obviously Mm -hmm. a big switch, not video game related, but just a big switch. Mm -hmm. Um, but now like we all have time every night. So we've been playing like co-op games together. And like Mm -hmm. some of us have played games in the past together, but not like consistently as a bigger group. Mm -hmm. Um, so like we picked up don't starve together as a group and that has been, like three or four nights a week and nice a social experiment <laughs> um i mean let's talk about co-oping actually then because i want to hear more about those games and like what it's like to play them i want to under like first of all can you describe those games and like just the gameplay and what you do and then also like are the people you play with are they gamers like who are they what are they into 
yeah, it's it's interesting because it's a mix. Um, so Don't Starve Together is a survival sim um, that's kind of cartoonish, um, but like in that sort of dark cartoon sort of way. Um, like think um, Nightmare Before Christmas is kind of its okay. aesthetic, right? Or like Coraline. Coraline mm-hmm. is probably the better one. Okay. Um, but very like Tim Burton-y. And gotcha. you like you run around, you gather materials, you like build structures that unlock new trees of things, and all of it is managing your hunger, your health, and your sanity. Okay. Um, and there's like a day and night cycle, and there's a seasonal cycle, and you're basically like, you know, you have to trap rabbits to get meat to cook in your crock pot that you have to like gather materials to even build, and then you build your base, and you know, certain things pressure you and challenge you throughout random encounters and where you go and what you find and you know as you're exploring the map is always procedurally generated so it's like unique every time um and you just try and survive as long as possible i think in single player there is a way to win and actually like escape um i don't think that's true and don't starve together either way we've only survived like 55 days so mm-hmm. um which is three seasons, by the way. So it's not nothing, but like not two shabs. You know, it's longer than I made it in single player. But um, yeah, and and so like it's one of those games where there's like a lot of depth of information that you learn by trial and error, and like it's great if you like reading wikis and strategy guides and watching mm. videos of people playing through and like slowly like kind of refining your strategy over time. So okay. that's what we're doing. Um, and so like we coordinate it, we play on Discord. There's like three or four people generally every time we play not always the same people um and we're pretty good about like dividing up roles and like what do you need to do and um what's an acceptable level of risk because if somebody in the group dies it becomes a big pain in the ass trying to get them back and you Mm -hmm. know it's like all that sort of stuff so it was like a combination social experiment for uh, like a role-playing game group that was already used to working together on a fixed problem now Uh you have like dozens of problems and unknown problems that you have to solve quickly in real time because there's no pause this is cool this this sounds like something i could get into especially right now because it sounds like it actually requires like, you know, reading, strategizing, planning, talking to people. Whereas, um, I mean, that's one of the reasons we'll talk about Divinity Original Sin 2 in a second, but like one of the reasons I'm enjoying that, particularly the combat, like I think I would play Divinity Original Sin 2 if it was just like all combat, Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of stuff to actually pay attention to if you want to be like strategic and make useful decisions. And it, it really... I find it really absorbing. Mm -hmm. Whereas um, right now I'm finding that when I start to, even if I'm like playing D and D over zoom or whatever, I start to kind of float away because Mm -hmm. it's so hard to stay. I mean, a four hour gaming session over zoom, I just like, Ooh, like my attention just starts to like falter. Oh, for sure. You know, and everything is slower, right? Like it just, there's there's more friction between like every step of the like engagement. It's so true. It's so true. And so like I games that feel like, you know, sometimes I don't want to sit down and like play a game where I have to like work. It's like why why am I doing this whole other job? But right. actually right now that is really appealing. Yeah, just the mindless like activity, right? 100%. And so and tell me about crawl. So crawl is um, it's a roguelike, but what's cool about it is that one player plays the roguelike hero and everyone else plays the monsters. 
and then when the when the hero dies, the mo- like the monster, the player whose monster killed them takes over as the hero. That's so cool. you you advance as a group through the dungeon, right? And it's all procedurally generated because it's a roguelike. But um, once you get to a certain level, then you can face the boss. And the winner of the game is the person who defeats the boss, which is controlled by, again, the other players. So it, it fits with four. Um, and so it's always three people working together against one. Um, I also find it very stressful because <laughs> um, <laughs> it's got those like kind of graphics and controls that aren't exactly sharp. Um and so, like, and it doesn't tell you a lot of stuff. So there's a lot of like trial and error to learn what you're doing on either side. Hmm. Um, and then w- what's nice about it though, is it's available over steam, uh, steam co-op or whatever it is like mm-hmm. steam streaming, maybe, um, where only one person has to have the game and everybody else can connect to the session Oh, like, that's cool. through and like stream the screen. So, and it plays pretty well that way, though. I will say the person who has like been hosting that game has won just about every game so well, maybe well, there's an well. advantage <laughs> <laughs> is it like a twitchy game or is it like point and clicky very twitchy yeah yeah it's, oh, a, okay. it's like it's a controller game um, okay that's it's, that's it's not great be on for old sally it's, oh, it's really? really good on playstation yeah that's where i okay. first played it yeah um so i'm i'm not doing as much co-op gaming as you um partially because i only know like there's so few people in my life who video game i guess but mm-hmm. i guess i just need to get more people to do it maybe that's what it is i mean that doesn't feel accurate that feels like you just haven't reached out to people that you know uh, yeah i think game. that that might be what it is <laughs> um but i i usually do all of my co-op gaming with my brother um and we recently started a playthrough like we've we've played all the far cry game not all of them most of them um and we really enjoy playing them together but i'm having a hard time feeling interested in open this open world situation where you're going around killing people I mean part of it is that like it's a pretty brutal game um which I gotta tell you normally like I don't mind I mean I don't like not notice how much killing I'm doing and like how much gore there is and how fucking ridiculous it is and how macho and absurd it all is but I also don't really like mind it um (laughs) if anything it's like pretty enjoyable um but there's something about right now, like playing a game where you're just sort of like going around in first person and like killing a bunch of people. And it, Far Cry, uh, the one we're playing is five. Five and New Dawn both have this whole like sort of apocalypse vibe to it. It's just like between the theme and the actual gameplay, it's just like, even though I love playing with my brother, it's just really like not holding my attention the way yeah. other games are. I, I feel like you got to go back to Blood Dragon. You know, the happiest Far you know, Cry I've, of all. I've never actually played Blood Dragon, but it looks completely bananas. It's, I mean, it's a, it's Far Cry on an acid trip, right? On like a, an 80s action movie acid trip. It's great. Um, yeah, I definitely have to play that. You know, hunt dinosaurs with crossbows. What else could you want? <laughs> I I mean, honestly, very little. Um, But no, I, I feel you on that. Because like, I've noticed that... um the level of violence in the games that I'm playing right now is, is probably at an all time low. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, especially violence towards people. Um, like we've been playing uh, world war Z was on like a deep discount on the Epic game store. And so we mm-hmm. picked that up and like played it for a little while. And it's just a, it's a very grindy, like left for dead type game. Um, but uh, you're shooting a bunch of zombies. Right. And it was just like satisfying to sit and just left click headshots. Mm-hmm. Um, but like at the end of it, I was just like, okay, yeah, this is cool. But like, I'm really, really enjoying this for like the like 
continued like process refinement of like running these missions and like getting better about where to look and what to watch out for and how to solve it. Mm-hmm. I'm not really relating to the violence aspect. And like, yeah. I look around like the only game that I'm playing right now that has violence against people really is Overwatch, which is hmm. about as cartoony as you can get for your violence. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I'm so I guess, you know, Fire Emblem Three Houses has like, you know, kind of an anime look and there's no it. All of the fighting is just so cartoony. Mm-hmm. Um, Planescape Torment. I mean, the other thing is, I mean, Planescape Torment is old. So it's D and D. I mean, and it's right, and it's and it's fantasy. So it's like whatever, and it's like it's an axe moving at like a ninety degree angle back and forth. And like I, I, I thought it was actually kind of quaint and adorable that you can turn off the gore, yeah, if you want to. But yeah. like the gore is just like red pixels. I think that's actually the enhanced edition. Yeah, yeah, it is. I don't think that was in the original. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Um, But yeah, like I, so Days Gone, I recently picked up, which is a PS4 exclusive. And um, because it was on like on one of these like deep discounts. And normally I love a triple A ass open world, like beautiful, but also kill a bunch of people PlayStation exclusive. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is the kind of game that, like, it has my name written all over it. It's like, you know, you you got your skill tree, you got your weapons, you do some crafting, like minimal crafting. Um, And what it is, so you're a biker and there's been been a zombie, like, pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, And you're dealing with all that. Um, And it's like, part of it is that... um, you know, you're killing zombies, but there is, you also, there are some human beings you kill. There's like this, I think there's like, I've only played a couple hours, so I actually don't know, and this could very well be wrong, but there's like a rival gang of of human beings that seem like they're kind of a cult and there's some, you kill them. And, but even like killing the zombies is like, it's, it's, games are so realistic now that you actually, in, in the same way that you look at like the face of a, um, of like a, a character in a naughty dog game and you're like I feel like I'm watching a movie like yeah, that yeah. translates to when you're also like bashing them in the head with a pipe where you're right. just like it's, it's too real <laughs> right. and then the other the other thing about Days Gone is that like it's an open world game with all these missions and side missions whatever and um it, that has a lot of there's a lot of like problems to solve but in a way where it's it's not like I think if it were more linear there's something about how much you have to like do to figure out how the world works and how to solve the problems that I I feel like that's real life. Like I feel like right now there's, there are just like a lot of big problems that everyone is trying to solve in different ways. Mm -hmm. And so doing that in a game right now is just like utterly unappealing to me. So you just want like uh, a linear path to solve your problem. You want the game to tell you, just go here, collect these things and then the problem will solve itself. I think I want something between like super duper linear where it's like go from left to right, finish the level and mm-hmm. like open world. So like I think Disco Elysium is a good example where it's it's not real. It's it's kind of an open world, but it's it's kind of not like you. you there are things that you, you need to do kind of in a certain order to unlock certain things. And the good thing about the game is that there's so many different ways that things can happen that it feels open, right? but it's, it's not open in the true sense of like an open world game. It's just that the game is so goddamn deep that it feels open. Yeah. The dialogue, cause the dialogue is so driven by your like 
skills and build that exactly like, no two playthroughs feel the same even though you've gone to the same place and spoken to the same npc exactly exactly so like playing that game is like you know what you have to do and what you have to accomplish but you also know there's only like one or two ways you could do it so you right. just you just do it you know so yeah i mean that that's kind of where i'm at with like what's keeping my attention we've been playing divinity original sin 2 with our editor lucas mm-hmm. that's i find that really fun because it's basically like if you put D into your computer i except <laughs> go on <laughs> the last time we played we all were busy reading twitter in between our turns in the combat because I... <laughs> they take so long in between them <laughs> like yeah that's true that's like, true it, 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 in, which is to say it's just like D, just like playing D online where nobody is paying attention when it's not their turn and they have five minutes to themselves yeah, where like, people like, yeah, you like zone out and then it's yeah. your turn and you're like, what am I doing? Yeah, I, God, was I reading Twitter? Yeah, I mean, basically like, I think it's, I think it's really fun. I think combat is really fun. The, the thing that trips me up is that it's really easy. To, it's pretty, there's a lot going on and it's really easy to like accidentally like start gigantic combats or accidentally like alienate an NPC, which like changes the, alters the course of yeah. everything. Yeah, it, it feels like, if we had all played it before and then decided to start co-op, that would be a more effective and efficient playthrough than what we're doing, which is kind of just wandering around, accidentally starting conversations, making decisions, flailing about for a bit, not really knowing what the story is and just following the quest markers, right? Yeah, that's pretty much it. And also, it reminds me of like, I feel like we're playing it the way, um, the way how they have sometimes at conventions, they're like, it's like a tournament where like two like level 20 players just like people make like level 20 5e characters and then there's just like a tournament see who fights that like who wins that we're kind of like playing it like that where we're just like going from combat to combat we're not really like I could not tell you anything about I know one thing about the story which is that we have these like magical necklaces that prevent us from casting magic. Yeah, exactly. That's all I know right now. And I think we've killed all the guards. And I think there was some other way to not kill all the guards and still escape from this place. But I don't know. Also, I lost my fucking pirate hat, which is the only yeah, reason that I played that character. And it sucks. So fuck <laughs> you, Divinity Original Sin 2. Yeah, it seems to be unrecoverable, that hat. Um, We're definitely, I just realized we're playing this game in a way that if it were like, like a multiplayer game we would be like banned for griefing because we're just like killing everything yeah we're we're very much griefing each other (laughs) yeah we are like we go off in three different directions to kind of like explore npcs somebody starts a fight and it takes us two turns to get to the fight (laughs) totally i've started just like not going anywhere unless you guys are already there because every time i click on to go into a new place, I accidentally engage an NPC who like wants to kill us. <laughs> you also it's... keep stealing from NPCs who then want to kill you. <laughs> yes, that is true. That is true. It's tough, man. So yeah, I feel like it's it, it, it's it's fun to jump in and out of, but it's we're definitely not really playing it the way it was intended to be played, I think. And so of course, like however you play a game is the way it's going to be played, blah, blah, blah. But I think like it's one of those things. Well, for me anyway, it's enjoyable while we're playing, but it also doesn't feel like it's 
pulling me it's not pulling me back to it for the game it's pulling me back to it because it's fun to play with you guys yeah that's agreed it's the three it's the three of us are doing it so i'll keep doing it if right. we decided collectively to do something else i would do something else <laughs> exactly um but but isn't it like i mean i've never played like so i'm playing planescape torment for the first time this this is my first time playing like really like a classic rpg this is this and- is your first black isle bioware rpg I mean, in in the in the vein of like D and D, that's like that's like totally based on. Yeah, I, I mean, that, yeah, b- like so, Planescape, Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale, Neverwinter none, Nights, never, none of those, any of their sequels, none of those, never. I mean that that is the defining like that genre defined the mid to late nineties and early two thousands, right? Like everyone was making that game at the time. You didn't play it- any of them. That no, that was like my blackout period for gaming. So I was I played. We had a Nintendo, and then I had a Sega Genesis, <laughs> and then I didn't start playing games again until after college, which was like early two thousand. So then I got an Xbox, and I've been playing like more or less consistency consistently since then. But I miss like a huge chunk, which is when all these games came out that are now I feel like are so up my alley, except. I don't know if they're going to, you know what it's like when you, you try to show someone like the never ending story in adulthood and then they never saw it when they were a kid and they're like, this is not a good movie. Why are you showing this to me? Like the, the Goonies. <laughs> yeah. Like Goonies are like another one is um, Flight of the Navigator. Have you seen that? Uh, I have not, but I'm familiar. Yeah. 1978 classic Disney movie. Loved it as a kid. I've tried to show it to people as adults and they're like, why would you do this to me? Um, so I, anyway, the point is I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to play Planescape Torment and I think I want to try Baldur's Gate and stuff. Who knows if they'll actually like hold up. Yeah. I mean, I think Planescape Torment singularly holds up. Um, and then like Baldur's Gate, uh, Baldur's Gate 2 is actually probably better than Baldur's Gate 1. Um, okay. But like you, you got to realize like that was my introduction to D&D. No right? shit. Was like I found D and D because it was the rule set that those games were based on. Like that's why I started playing A D and D. Because um, I was like, whoa, there's a lot more here. It's in a book, or at the time it was on a CD, like the A D and D two point core rules CD ROM. Amazing. Uh, which I got for Christmas one year, and like, which is basically PDF, not even PDFs, like. It was like an SRD, basically, like yeah. no art, just just text, and I like read it for hours. Um, but that that was my exposure to AD and D. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's like it's funny because that's foundational for me, but like nothing for you. And we ended nothing. up in the same place. <laughs> I know nothing. And my my exposure to D and D was my older brother playing AD and D, and me being like, "Can I watch? Can I play?" And him being like, "Absolutely not!" Like because I was the younger, <laughs> annoying younger sister. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I'll report back on Planescape Torment. I'm really, really enjoying it. And you, you actually said over Discord, we were chatting, you were, you, you said something about it's like influence on Disco Elysium. And I thought that you were like observing that it reminded you of it or something, but it's actually now that I'm playing it, I can see that Planescape Torment must've been a huge influence for the development of Disco Elysium. Oh, totally. So, so what makes Planescape Torment so cool is that like the game was built with various viable approaches to the game so like you know people play fallout now and they're like okay no kill no kill run right Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna figure out a way to not have to kill any npc or like do no combat or whatever right or like try to find ways to like manipulate the system to break the game Mm -hmm. in the way that they want planescape was just like 
no it's cool like you don't have to fight like there's some fights right you can't avoid like you, you won't just naturally avoid them but like mm-hmm. they made like dialogue based builds a valid approach to the game in a way that like nothing after it really did a great job of mm-hmm. um so like you'll eventually hit fights that you can't really avoid right there are some things you just have to fight your way out of yeah but, like for the most part like you don't have to be like combat oriented at all in order to make it through the game which mm-hmm. is just amazing yeah um, and like the dialogue isn't as responsive as disco elysium to to your build but like it's pretty responsive it's pretty responsive and it it has a sense of humor i mean that's like a that's a thing that i feel like it has um in common with disco elysium is that it has a sense of humor about itself um which i enjoy um some of it is some of the humor just doesn't like hold up it doesn't land anymore yeah yeah low these many years later yeah it's edgy in 1995 or whatever yeah it's a little cringy now in 2020 totally but it's like it's i i feel like there are these moments in disco elysium where you feel where there's like a recognition by the game that you're playing a video game and i've had a couple of those moments in planescape torment and i i just i don't know i like it i think it's cool and it's always unexpected and kind of like makes me feel like the game is very like sophisticated in a yeah. way, you know? <laughs> oh, the, they, they got it. They knew. They got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm having a little trouble now with this Go Elysium actually of like, because I did uh, more of like an intelligence based build. So mm-hmm. like very observant and then like a manipulative build as well. So like high mm-hmm. drama and like there's a lot of options, right? But it's also very introspective and I am like in the way that I didn't enjoy reading like uh, the girl on the train or like um, bonfire, the vanities, right? Like things that like deeply depict like alcoholism and like Mm -hmm. internalized alcoholism. Mm -hmm. Like I am really struggling with like that dependency struggle built into the game. That's interesting. That is like, for me, that's that like pandemic thing that like, you know, the violence, whatever. But for me, it's like that, like, like, the solitude and like kind of being lost in your like addiction or lost in your mind is like, mm-hmm. that's the part of this where I'm just like, Oh, this is, I need some stardew time. <laughs> like I need that's a stardew so decompression, you know? Yeah. No, the, being lost in your mind is such a good way of describing disco Elysium because it's that like a hundred percent. Um, and it, it's like hearing what some people are like the media that some people are like really into right now. And, then that other people are like like avoiding like I I there's a lot of people who are like in the beginning of this were like oh time to rewatch like outbreak and contagion and I was like I want to crawl into it I want to dig a hole crawl into it and just like hide for two years you know <laughs> um, and at the same time like Disco Elysium because partially I I mean I, I actually enjoy the like lost in your mind aspect of it because I find it cool and interesting but the thing about Disco Elysium that is more like resonant to me is the world like the all the socio-cultural and political shit that's happening in the world and like the developers commentary on not just like all this political shit and all this like socio-cultural shit but also like how we as individuals exist within that stuff and how Mm -hmm. it affects us and how we impact it back and um to me, that's the mo- that's the more kind of engaging journey of in the game. But the 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 like your character's own relationship to 
himself and his past and his interior life is a huge, absolutely huge part of the game. And I think depending on like your experience of it is the whole entire point of the game. Yeah. 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 So I can totally, I totally see what you're talking about. Like there, there's a moment like when you leave the first screen, basically. So like the first map that you get access to, like when you leave it, um, there's a moment in there where you have like a self-realization mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to spoil it because it's very impactful, but like, I literally like I was on discord and I was like, I really don't want to do this. Like, mm-hmm, I really like mm-hmm. this is, this like hurts me to have to like watch uh, my, you know, watch my character who has a name, but I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's also part yeah, of even, covering your even, name. Yeah. But, like I just did not want to have to like, I was like, Oh no. Like, cause I saw it and like, it was just that ironic distance of like, Oh please. Oh no, this is yeah. going to crush him. You know, like he was doing so well and this is going to be, and it's, it, it's a setback. Totally. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's just they, like, it took me out of it. Like I haven't, I actually haven't gone back. Like I've only put like maybe a couple hours in after that. And I'm like, now I'm like ready to like kind of get back into it. But like mm-hmm. I was, it was tough. Like I, I just don't want to deal with that struggle right now. You know, I totally hear you. There's, there's a lot of, there were a lot of times on my both playthroughs where I was like making decisions based on like what I could cope with. <laughs> it's like, right. no, I don't want to confront that set of issues today. Next, exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So do you want to just like quickly, fairly quickly talk about um, like, I thought it'd be cool to talk about favorite co-op games or experiences of all time, just in the way of like making recommendations to folks or just like kind of talking about things that have like really stuck with us co-op wise. Sure. Yeah. My first, I, I okay. So I did have video games, I guess, before this. Um, like I, I had a Nintendo and then I had a Genesis and things, but like mm-hmm. the the first formative video game experience for me really um like my neighbors and i would like go over to each other's houses and we would play like a lot of single player games that just like Mm -hmm. hand the controller off when you died right and like yeah yeah yeah. the game that like was the co-op and like really formative for me and i think like still affects some of the choices i make and what games i like was playing through doom for the first time Mm. um because it was three of us um like the the bigger brother neighbor would like steer i would shoot and the younger brother would watch and like we went and played through doom with like two sets of hands on the keyboard Whoa. right cuz there's no mouse at that point like yeah. it was just navigating like you know through the arrows and choose your weapon and shoot with like control Right. And like, that's how we did it. And it was like, you got to shoot now. You got to shoot now. And I'm like, you're not aiming right. <laughs> like, go left, <laughs> go right. What do we do? Right. And totally. like, all of that stuff. And like, so it was us working on this problem together while also being honestly kind of terrified out of our fucking minds. Mm-hmm. And like, so it was like that camaraderie of like, we could only play this game together because there's too many jump scares. It's too gruesome. Like, you know, like all of that stuff. And like, that was my formative co op experience it was like, we got, we endured Doom. And then later, like, Doom 2 and then, like, Quake and things like that. But, like, games that I, like, until Quake 2 and, like, multiplayer happened and it was, like, Deathmatch, mm-hmm. like, I didn't play single player in those games because I did not, like, the whole thing. <laughs> like, yeah, too much, too much, too you know? much. Yeah, and, like, and we played, like, other ID games like, um, you know, uh, Hexen and Heretic and things like that that were, like, kind of Doom-like. Uh-huh. But, um, 
you know, I just like just going back to that, like I, I that was the only shooter that was the first shooter I ever played, and it was like I was not old enough to to handle it. <laughs> totally. Like it, it was just three, like three boys, like you know, basically bravado machismo each other up <laughs> to, to be able to make it through this game. That's amazing. <laughs> no one would admit we were scared. <laughs> what a what a formative co op experience. How about you? So I think that. My probably favorite of all time co-op experience is playing Splinter Cell in co-op with my brother. Um, shout out to Splinter Cell, like my favorite franchise of all time, including the like lesser titles that people think suck. Like whenever I get nostalgic and like go onto Reddit or something to read about them, there's like a couple of titles where everyone's like, this series was great until whatever. And I'm always like, I loved whatever. Whatever was great. Because <laughs> um, I'm I'm one of those fans who like, Anytime a world has a new, there's a new like way to interact with the world. I'm like totally psyched about it, even when it like defies canon and is schlock. So um, Splinter Cell is so, so, so fun. Um, (laughs) And, you know, deciding with another person if you're going to do something, if you're going to solve problems the way the game wants you to, which is like stealthily, or if you're just going to like run through and like destroy everything and be a menace. Um, It's just really fun. And there are a lot of opportunities to, it's, it's a game that you have to pay attention to, to play, but you can also kind of talk with the person you're playing with like you, you know there there are opportunities to just be like chatting which is really nice um mm-hmm. because it's like i i feel like i'm hanging out with my brother right. while also playing a game as opposed to like either just sitting there and talking or just playing a game yeah um so splinter cell forever i hope that there's going to be like a new a new installment we they they are backwards compatible on xbox but the thing is is that playing them in co-op doesn't really work it's like because whatever the Xbox is doing technologically to let you be able to play these Xbox 360 games makes co-op really like laggy and like uh, weird. Okay. Yeah. Um. So hopefully they'll like re- release something new. Um. And, and then another game I also love, which can only be played in co-op, is called A Way Out. Um. It was released in 2000. I want to say 18. Um. I played it on Xbox One, but I think you can play it. Um, I think it's on PC and, um, and PS4. It's short. It's like, I want six or seven hours and you can play either like couch co-op or online co-op and you play in split screen. The whole game is in split screen and you play these two guys who meet in prison and it's about them. It's about their friendship and it's about them. I mean, it's called a way out. It's not a spoiler to say it's about them breaking out of prison. Breaking out of prison. Um, yep. And it's, it's fun. It's like, the story is like fine. The voice acting is like fine to good. It looks awesome. And it's it's a it's not it's not it's not point and click. It's not super twitchy. It's like a kind of a combo of both. And um it's it's the kind of thing where like <laughs> there's like a scene where you're trying to like chisel through something in your cell. And so your friend is keeping a lookout for the guard. And basically, um, every time the guard comes nearby, the person on lookout has to tell the person to stop chiseling. So it's like it's like you're yeah. like really cooperatively like solving these right, problems. Right. Yep. Um, it's it's super duper fun. And it I think it would be really good. I played it with my brother. We've played it twice. Like we played once and then we switched roles and played it again. And I think it's also good for people who aren't 
gamers usually because um, it's like it's pretty point and clicky and the parts that aren't you you pick it up fairly easily. Um, so that's like a really cool just like fun little you know quick quickie game that I yeah. really really enjoyed. Nice. Okay, so from our favorite co-op experiences of all time, let's talk about some other stuff we're excited about. This is the moment in the show where we recommend something that we're really excited about right now, which may or may not be a video game or something video game related. Cool. Well, I mean, in these pandemic times, I feel like the only responsible thing is to make a recommendation for Netflix. Obviously. (laughs) Otherwise, what are you doing? I, I do not know, truly. So do you want to share what, you, what you're Netflixing? We have finished it. Um, but I, so I have, I was turned on to Love Island as the, uh, as the proper reality TV show for me. Um, okay. Which is like the concept of Love Island is like, you know, you have a bunch of single people like living in a villa for like weeks at a time, right? And there's cameras everywhere, right? But like they get coupled up, they have to, they pair up, they all sleep in the same room and share beds and like all of that stuff, right? But mm-hmm. like there's structure to it. And then like people get voted off the, like out of the villa. And then what's interesting is new people come in. So, like, throughout, like, you can be, like, eliminated, but then, like, new people come in because, like, you know, it's kind of a mixer, right, is sort of the idea. I see. Um, But it's so openly manipulated by the producers. Like, it's delightful. And, like, they don't even hide it. Like, they lampshade how manipulative they are. Um, And then the other thing is that, like, as it's released in, like, the, like, in series, right, like, they do an episode every night it's an hour long episode every night and it's basically like within a day or two of it filmed it's released as an episode so Wait, every not a night huge, oh my god yeah so there's not a huge lag which means like social media and like um tabloids and stuff are responding to the tv show and fans are responding to the tv show like in real time and then the producers turn around and take that and give it back to the people on the show so that like the world around them, which they can't directly interact with, is also like screwing with them. <laughs> and that like, is incredible. It's amazing. Um, yeah, so it's like there's not a huge delay in between them. It's delightful. And so like I like it because it's like it's got that manipulative kind of like, you know, gotta win the game sort of thing. But then it mm-hmm. also has like some genuine like good people, good enough people like mm-hmm. finding happiness kind of thing. Um, so I'm gonna recommend Love Island Australia. Uh, okay. The most recent season, so uh, I think both the UK and the Australian seasons are both up. The most recent UK season was bad. Two seasons ago was good. Um, but the most recent Australia season like had a moment on there that I have never had to a reality TV show where like a guy gets eliminated in like the last week, right? So he's not going to be in the final week of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the the woman who has to choose which of the guys stays like is his ex like they dated for like weeks. Oh god. Um and like I don't want to like th- the moment is just like I was like oh man like I didn't even like that guy for like 40 episodes. <laughs> like I was wrong. <laughs> like, now you're rooting you know? for him. Like yeah, and I was like oh, that sucks that he's gone. Like I'm bummed on these last 5 episodes now that he's not here. 
But what's nice about it, they're hour-long episodes. There's like 45 episodes in a season. So it's great to just put on in the background. You don't have to pay that much attention to it. Like it's a a great like background filler show. Oh, that sounds delightful. I didn't realize the whole aspect of like that it was like filmed every day and that they're reacting to the public's reaction. That's kind of amazing yeah like they they literally have like they do like an activity every day right and like there's an activity that the producers always do where it's like fill in the blank um but it's like headlines from tabloids and it's like this couple right had like or like i I just remember the one from two seasons ago the uk where it was like this um this this guy's best friend says that you know blank is like fake and just using him to stay on the show and it's like so then every like the person has to fill it in right which means they're accusing a couple of being fake so though that couple will be upset and then whoever like so then that you know of course they cut to the guys that are like wouldn't be me none of my mates would do that none of them they're all loyal to me they wouldn't do that and then like whoever guy looks like an idiot because like obviously one of them like had this tabloid headline is then like i don't know man if my mates don't like like her then maybe i'm in the wrong thing i gotta think long time about this relationship now oh my god (laughs) it's like it's just like turns on a dime wow there's a lot going on yeah 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 yeah. it's delightful it's such a it's like it's the epitome of reality television of like playing for the camera playing the objective of the show being fucked with by producers and then also it's delightful english and australian accents who tend to be people that are pretty shallow Uh Um, so you always feel a little bit better than them despite their fancy accents that's like the recipe for great reality TV viewing, yeah. right? Also, right there. no one wears any clothes on this show. Like, Perfect. literally, they're just in bathing suits all day long, living in like Ibiza or whatever. Oh, God. Okay. Well, I feel like half compelled to watch and half compelled to avoid it. So we'll that see is, which one. That's that's how you know it's good. <laughs> nice. Um, so switching genres hugely, the thing I'm going to recommend is... Generation Kill, which was a miniseries that aired on HBO in 2008. Um, you actually recommended this, Shane, to I me. Um, and it is about the 2003 invasion of Iraq by the Marine Corps' first reconnaissance battalion. Um, it is starring Alexander Skarsgård, who, by the way, you told me he was in it. And in like the third episode, I was like, oh, my God, Alexander Skarsgård is in this. He like really <laughs> disappeared into the role. Um, it is um, co-written by David Simon and Ed Burns. It is just so, so good. It's so very hard to watch. David Simon yeah. and Ed Burns of The Wire fame. Yes, right? of The so Wire. This was, Important. This was their yeah, project exactly. right after they finished The Wire. And so it's it's based on the articles and then later book by um, the journalist who was embedded with them for a couple of months, a month, I don't know. Um, and it's, you know, in many ways it's tough to watch, like war, invading Iraq, um, racism, misogyny, like kind of you name it. Homophobia. Um, What's that? Homophobia, toxic Homophobia, masculinity. Toxic know, masculinity, like, lots of that. The fact um, that their job is to literally kill people. Mm-hmm. And, but it's like, it's just great. I don't know what to say. I mean, it's like, it's like The Wire in that you're dropped into this world. Um, you don't really know what anyone is talking about because everyone is, I mean, so much. I was, we, we had to pause it and like Google various 
like military and like also marine specific vocabulary words, which you had like warned me was part of it. And I was like, okay, cool. But it it's actually like you can legitimately like not I, I missed like huge plot points because I like couldn't follow like the dialogue. <laughs> um so I highly recommend watching it with like Google open and like pausing it and then like reading what different words mean and then like rewatching the scenes. I, I, um, and I think the value of that is the authenticity, right? Is it's not like this isn't the saving private Ryan version of war. This is the like this is the soldiers fighting the war version of war. Right. Yeah. It it's it's greedy as fuck. And there's there's no pandering to the audience. There's no like there's no I feel like so we we also watch Saving Private Ryan right after and like the way I felt about those two things um, in comparison to each other is that in Saving Private Ryan, it felt like Steven Spielberg was like, you know what's really intense? War. Let's make sure that everyone understands that war has intense moments and is really tear-jerking by like writing in all of these like very specific character like these very specific like archetypes with like certain backstories and stuff and you're just I was watching it it's just like this is why well let me not get into a Steven Spielberg rant anyway compared to Generation Kill you really just you're you it feels like a slice of life Mm -hmm. um in the same way that the wire felt like a slice of life like you don't you you feel like um it there's like there's a documentarian quality to it almost um and uh, it's just great. I I mean, I I can't wait to watch it again, even though it's like pretty tough to watch. Yeah. I, um, I, it was recommended to me by a friend of mine who is now out of the Marine Corps, um, but was in Afghanistan um, with the Marines. And like, and he was like, yeah, this is what an invasion is like. Like mm-hmm. all of like, he was like, everyone that I like served with, like, we this is this is us you know like mm-hmm. every every company is like that you know it's just like that they got it right you know like parts of it are probably a little stretched but like mm-hmm. it's the closest thing to our experience except that like there's a lot more waiting around <laughs> like yeah i i mean that was like one of the most striking things to me is just like how long you're waiting to find out that like you're going to be put in a incredibly dangerous and scary situation. And when you told me that, like that was the thing that like I don't even remember why we started talking about it, but when you told me that your friend was like this is the thing that captures it, I was like I definitely have to see it. And um man, it's great. It's really great. Um highly recommend. And especially there there is something about watching it right now where it's like I it's so hard not to compare things to the pandemic, even though like we definitely shouldn't compare anything to anything because anything is singular. There was something about watching these people in utter chaos try to make sense of their world. And I don't just mean the Marines. I mean, also like all the people in Iraq that they're um, sometimes helping and often harming. Um, it's It's like just the whole thing of like people dealing with the chaos that is swallowing them. I just really resonated for me yeah yeah it's a great show so on that note i think it's time to uh end this bad boy so that's it for this episode please uh rate us and review us any and everywhere you listen to podcasts yeah like one five-star review on itunes does a lot of good for a new show yeah it does if you have one to give that would be great 
And look, if you want to create Sock Puppet accounts and rate us five stars, who are we to discourage you from doing that? <laughs> Let us not be hypocrites. <laughs> sure. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at coopmoodpod. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can follow me at Sally T. And you can also email the show at coopmoodpod at gmail.com. And you can find us and other great gaming podcasts on the OneShot Network at oneshotpodcast.com. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening. Bye. Co-op Mood is produced by Shane and Sally. Edited by Lucas. Our music is Pixel Squirrel by Espresso Music. Logo design by Emily Cardamus. 